Now, I was talking about C2C Collective, and we have one of the national directors responsible for Quebec, Patrice Nagant, please come up. Patrice is a dear friend and a brother in the Lord, and he spends a lot of his time in Quebec, and today he will be bringing us a message, telling us various stories about what God is doing there, and also challenging us to think about how do we reach our neighbors? How, can, how, how, how do we trust the Lord? to grant us boldness and courage to proclaim Christ. Patrice, welcome to Nofi. It is so good to have you Thank you. Here. I'd like to pray for you, brother. Yes. Patrice is married, of course. His wife, Cindy, will be here um, at our services this weekend. But I'd like to pray for our brother as he brings the word of God to us. Father, in Jesus' name. I do want to thank you for our brother, Patrice. Thank you, Lord, for the remarkable way in which you have gifted our brother. Your story in his life is remarkable. The way you saved him called him into relationship with you, gifted him, Lord, and now he has a passion to see church planting happening across Canada, but specifically in Quebec. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful work that is going on there, the testimonies and the stories we are hearing. That doesn't mean, Lord, that the, the work is complete. No, not by a long shot. There's still so much to be done. And so, Father, we pray for our brother and his dear wife, Cindy, I pray that, Lord, as they continue to partner with churches and agencies and, and, and planters, I pray, dear Father, would you extend their ministry and grant them favor, Lord, as they endeavor to see the gospel moving forward in Quebec. And Father, today, as he's bringing your word to us, we pray in Jesus' name, would your spirit speak to our brother? And we as your church, Lord, may we hear what your spirit is saying to us and grant us boldness and courage to have a passion for our own community here, to see people coming to saving faith. Bless our brother, Lord. Speak through him in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Bonsoir. Uh, uh, Mark Burst was supposed to come and translate me, uh, but I think he changed his mind. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to make it. I'm very happy to be with you tonight and, and share about few things that God is doing in the province of Quebec. And we know, all know this verse, eh? God so loved the world that he gave. And God loves people. All the people around us, he loves you. And how does he show his love to get us out of trouble, to allow us to experience the peace and joy we are all looking for? Give. He doesn't give a set of rules to follow. It doesn't give a system or, or strategy to experience and, and to, to, to be able to look or experience this peace, joy, rest. He gave Jesus. When you are going through anxiety and security, he gives Jesus. This is his plan. And Jesus is still the solution today for us in Abbotsford. But for us in Quebec, too. And you may have heard that. That Quebec is one of the least rich areas of the Americas. Some missiologists affirming that. And I have been asked this morning to share with you the religious historic background of Quebec. That explains why it is like that in Quebec. Why is this? it is the least rich area of the Americas. That is concerning the gospel, the openness to the gospel. 
I think it's good to know and understand that. So we go, to make a long story short, we're going to start in 1763. And 1783, that was the Convention of Paris and Convention of Versailles, where Britain and France negotiate who's going to keep what. So Quebec let go. Uh, France let go Quebec, and they kept Martinique and Guadeloupe and Saint-Pierre-Miquelon, a small island close to Newfoundland. And Britain kept Quebec. Britain were English Protestant. France were French Catholic. And they say to the Catholic Church, you are allowed to continue your practices in Quebec, but you need to keep your members quiet, aside, low profile. There's, we're going to jump a couple hundred years after that for an era that historians call the Great Darkness. That's between 1936 and 1960 under the Prime Minister Duplessis. And Duplessis and the church worked together like that for a goal. And they were ruling over everything. French Catholic people could not have access to high education or high position in working place. If they were dreaming to get there, it would be with a lot of difficulties. But the government and the church would say to the French Canadian, stay at your place. You are born for a small loaf of bread. And these words, it's on our head, were there for years and years. You are born for a small loaf of bread. Don't dream, don't expect to go in high education or being in a higher position in business. Stay quiet, stay aside, keep your place. Because you're born, born for a small loaf of bread. And the church was overseeing everything, health, education, everything that was taught in school needed to be approved by the church. Culture, any printed material need to be approved by the church before going to print. Union. If an employee wanted to sign a contract with the employers, the church needed to approve it first, to allow it. They were ruling, ruling, that's hard, ruling over everything. And the church in Quebec had special laws that was unique to Quebec. The most, most known one, it's what the historian called the revenge of the cradle. That law was saying, married women need to have children every year. If one year they don't have a children, they're going to be out of the church. So they hire 50,000 priests to go door to door every year and to say, did you have your children this year? They may say, no, the doctors say, I cannot have another one. I may die. So the priest would say, don't listen to the doctor. God told you that you need a children every year. If you don't, you're going to be out of the church. And out of the church means when you go to the grocery or the store, they won't sell you anymore. My grandmother had 17 children. That was not a lot. I know many people, many women who had 22, 24 children. The goal of that, of that was to raise the quantity of French-speaking people in Quebec. 
People were feeling abused. They felt held in hostage by a religious movement that was more interested in gaining political power than leading people to know a loving and caring God. That brings us to June 25, 1960. That historian called the Quiet Revolution. A new government came in place at that date, and their slogan was, Enough is enough. We want to be master in our own home. And they start to push away the church and take over everything that the church was overseeing before. It was like if they say to the people in Quebec, the French, don't trust the church anymore. You don't have to trust them anymore. You're free now. And people began to leave the church. And it was sure for them that they would never, never go back there. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. And Jesus is still the solution for the Quebecois as it is for the people in Abbotsford. When the first missionaries have been sent at that time from the MBs to Quebec, from the Fellowship Baptist, from Union Baptist, from Alliance, from Pentecostal Church, they send missionaries there and they start to plant church, the first churches. They did pretty good. But it was hard because when they were talking about Jesus and church and Bible and faith, people were saying, oh, you know, we have tasted. And the taste was no good at all. We don't want to go back there. In fact, they reject the institution that they experienced at that time, but they throw everything with it. They throw the baby with the water of the bath and they put everything in the same place. But we still believe that Jesus is the only option to redeem, free people, bring hope. So it is in this dry land that C2C Collective is working. Among these people, Reject the only one who can bring hope, freedom, peace, joy for eternity. In Canada, in the 90s and 2000, four church plants on five didn't do it through five years. Only 20% of the church plants succeed. And this is why C2C exists. We're working with different churches and denominations to help them with assessment, coaching, training. We have a two-year program training. And we raise funds to help them start and be healthy. We want to see gospel-centered church, spirit-led, mission-focused and kingdom-minded. This year in Quebec, C2C is working with over 20 church plants. That's incredible. We work with over 12 different denominations and ministry. People are coming together to see this province be reached with the gospel. Three weeks ago, we had another assessment center. We had four couples. That means four new churches will be planned all over the province. And we already have four other couples who want to be assessed that have been sent by different denominations. Say, we have those people ready. Would you assess them? And we do the coaching after that. So we have another assessment center coming in the next months. 
the success rate passed from 20% to 90% in the last 12 years. This is something, and it's not only church plan. It's church plan that reach people, that bring people to know Jesus. Experience a deep intimacy with Jesus. Experiencing freedom, peace, joy. Let me share a few stories with you. Luc Chauchet is a medical doctor. After his studies and a few years of practices, he decided to take his wife. Well, not he didn't take his wife, but with his wife and kids, he, they went on a trip with no return tickets. He went in Mexico. As he was traveling there, they met a Christian in a medical clinic in Mexico. And they asked him, hey, we, we are without doctor. Can you help us for a couple of weeks? And he said, yes, I can do that. So he helped them a little bit, and he, he, he met Jesus there. And he decided to follow him and give his life to Christ. And these two and his family too. They stayed six years in this clinic serving. But Luke and Lise knew the situation in Quebec. And they say the people in Quebec need to hear the gospel too. So they came back and joined a church in Montreal. And he joined a clinic, medical clinic outside of Montreal. He's part in L'Assomption. And with time, with his patient, Luke started to Propose to his patient, can I pray with you? And some people start to give their life to Christ. And, and he gathers some people in, in his home. But more people were coming to Christ. So he had to rent a space. And he called us and said, can you help us? How, how do we do that planting a church? So we held that, them through training and, and coaching and uh, subsidy. And, and this church now is over 250 people. But you know what? Look, never stop being a doctor. He still works two, three days a week. He doesn't receive any salary from the church. And the rest of his time, he gives leadership to the, to, to the church. And he used the found and the gift to train other leaders and sending them. And now we're working with them to plan another church in the city of Joliet. And they already have another couple ready to go for the next church plan. A few weeks ago, I was with him, with, with Ezra too. And, and we were talking. He shared this story. I want to share that with you. A woman was coming to see Luke for his annual medical checkup, and he used to pray with her. And one day, she was not able to travel anymore, so he was going to her home and, and for a checkup, and, and his bro her brother was there, Bob, and he saw them pray together. And he asked Luke, can, I, can, you, can you be my doctor too? And say, yes, of course. And so he went to visit him, Bob, then to visit Luke. And at the end of the... What do you say that? Uh, examine? Exam? <laughs> and Luke started to talk with him and he offered him, can I pray for you? He said yes and he prayed for him and, and Bob was deeply touched by the word of Luke and his prayer. But he didn't say anything and he left. A week after he came back to see Luke in his place and said, Luke, I need to talk with you. It's been a few months since I tried to gather money to buy a gun. Because I wanted to kill myself. And when I visited you the other day, last week, I had bought the, the gun the same day. And I, I was ready to act on it. But when you pray, when you talked with me, something burned in my heart. So after, when I left, I went to the riverbank and I threw the gun on the St. Lawrence River. And I want to know Jesus more. A life Changing time. 
Is that good? Yeah. Yeah. Alain and Goy and Alphonsine have been sent in Montreal by a church in Kinshasa, Congo, to plant a church in Montreal. They arrived with their children in 2019, and they were put in touch with, with us. So we helped them with coaching and training. Both of them went to the two years training and, and helped them and with all the assessment also. And while they were moving forward with the church plan, and they have a passion to reach people. And, you know, Alain is a man who spent a lot of time in intimacy with God. And you feel it when you're with him. You know, it's a blessing for me to be with these people. He's an incredible leader, but a lot of humility in your heart and love for people. From the beginning, they start to connect. They wanted to be a good news in their neighborhood. And they start to help people who, in, who needed some help with housework and things like that. And they, 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 the snow was coming. It was shovel. His, his driveway was doing the one of his neighbor too. And, and there, you know, there's a lot of snow in Quebec. Huh? So that's a big job. He was doing that for his neighbor. And they, they also joined a self-help center as a volunteer and start to take time there. But because of his, his witnesses and his love for people, the same love that he himself has experienced by God, The person in charge of the volunteers give his life to Christ and start to lead his family to Christ. A woman who was going there every week to get, get some food and, and some clothes had a, a wooden, uh, open wound on the leg that was always coming out. And the doctor were not able to, to remove and heal that. And he asked her, can I pray for you? And she has been healed. Give your life to Christ. Decide to follow Christ and trust Jesus and start to lead her family to know Jesus. She has been baptized about three weeks ago with 50 other people since the summer. Incredible stories. Alain, an African planter sent by a Congolese church to reach people in Quebec. Is it not incredible what God is doing? Something is going on. Isaiah 43 says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Sometimes there's people around us and we think that God doesn't work in their life. And, but it's grow. We put a seed and it's grow. It's grow. But sometimes at one point it's come out and we see it. But God is working the people around us, around your, the people you meet that cross your path. When we scratch this dry land, when we dig, we see that there's something under that people are longing for answers. Do you not perceive it? God is at work. God doing, is doing a new thing in Quebec. Rejoice! <laughs> Rejoice, incredible! It's incredible. There's, there's a network that has been put in place in Quebec. They call Evangelical Network of Quebec. Twelve church family, twelve denominations came together and signed an agreement. Now we want to work together. It's been in place for six years. The, four, the first four or five years was just getting trust together. But now it's there and we want to work together and reach this preference for Christ. 
Planting, can you believe, a Fellowship Baptist Church, Pentecostal Church, Alliance, MB, coming together, say we're going to put people together and plant a church in this town, town, this city where there's no church at all. There's a new thing. Several, I want to say that because several movements start in the Catholic Church too. One is rebuild, called rebuild. The other one is divine renovation. They want, they work to bring back the gospel at the center of the church. I have a girl in my home group. She's been hired full-time in one of the big churches in Montreal, Catholic Church, to do adult baptism, bring the gospel, lead people to know and understand who is Jesus, and lead other people to know Jesus. There's a new thing. And you know what? Those movements, it's exactly what happened at the Reform. Bishop and priests wanted to bring back the gospel at the center, but they have been pushed away. The difference now, they're doing that with the blessing of Rome. So everything, it's possible now. There's a new thing coming out. Do, not, do you not perceive it? One of my colleagues, Christian, he's a Christian, but his name is Christian too. Okay. And he planted a church in Quebec City, in the low city called saint Roch. And his church grew well, and they filled the place with 250 people. So they were looking for, after a couple of years, and they were looking for another place. And they, they served with the nuns for the popular soup. And they asked the priest, can, can we rent one of your place, uh, some place, because we need more space, we want to put another campus. The priest said, we have a place in another area, another neighborhood, But the building will be sell, will be sell, yeah. And, and in a few months, we negotiate contract with the contractor. They're going to build condo, destroy it, build condo. But take it if you want in the afternoon and do your thing. So they did that. And people from the mass were coming out. And they were going in and put music, worship, and they start to worship. And the priest stayed to listen to them. He was looking to what they were doing and preaching. After a couple months... The priest and the priest of the diocese called my friend, Christian, and said, can you come and meet with me with your leadership? And he told him, look, and Christian thought, okay, we're going to have to move again. Uh, but the priest said, look, if we sell this building and put condo, the people in this neighborhood won't have any more place to hear the gospel. We have heard what you do and, and what you say. And we start the negotiation with the contractor. Instead of selling that, okay, the price, okay, it's not the same price in BC, but instead of selling the building, 1.2 million, we're going to sell it to you for 450,000. And we will finance it for you. Is it not incredible? There's a new thing that's coming out. Don't you perceive it? Don't you perceive it? <laughs> God is doing something. And you know what? You're part of that. You support our work since the beginning. Thank you. And all those good thing that's happening. It's because of you too. Because you're praying for Quebec. You're giving for what we're doing through that church. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. But thank you for being just obedience to what God is doing. Partnering with us. We're so happy to do that. I like seeing people coming to Christ. I love that. And some time ago, I did three prayers to God. First prayer was God, give me opportunities to, to share your words, share the gospel. Second prayer, 
help me to recognize those opportunities around me. Because sometimes so we are so absorbed by everything going on, all the worries we got, and that, that we don't see what God is doing in front of us. And the third prayer was, God, help me to be bold and courageous enough to open my mouth and talk. Wow. Tell you, it didn't take long that God answered those prayers. One after the other one. I didn't, want, I didn't know which one to pick. They are so incredible, but I'll just pick two. And, and Jeremy, Jeremy is a young guy who is a student. We were going, my wife, okay, go back. My wife and one was going to the family cottage, and we stopped in a city called Lachette for dinner, and we sit down on the terrace, and Jeremy was our server. And Jeremy is a student in neurosurgery. Okay, really more brilliant than me. And, and we start to talk. He asked me, are you retired? I said, no. Do I look so old? And I say, no, I'm still working. I do this and this and that. I tried to explain what I was doing. And he said, really? And he said, you know what? He said, I know science has a good answer. But I think the Bible has an even better answer. And he left. You know, that happened after two, three, four other ones. Just before I was looking to Cindy Wara. Another one. So I went to get the card in my, in my car. I gave him the card. When he came back, I said, hey, call me, please. I would like to talk with you. He said, oh, thank you. I, I was shy to ask for that. I had to lose some weight. And before you say or you think anything, I know I need to lose more. Uh, and so we, we met Cindy and I with a nutritionist to help us on that. We were going to see her every week. And uh, one, day, uh, one week I missed the, the appointment because I was traveling. But when I was there the next week, uh, she asked me, oh, where were you? I said, oh, I was traveling for my work. I said, what are you doing? And I started to say what I was doing. And you know, some people, when I say that, say, oh, you're lucky. It's easy for you because you work with churches full time. And I say, no, I say, if I would not do that, I would say, oh, I'm an electrician. But my passion is to help people understand who is Jesus. I would say something like that. But she, she said, asked me, and she said, really, are you a believer? I said, yes, I really believe that Jesus is the only option for or joy or peace and for hope. And she rolled roll up her sleeve. And she just had a tattoo being made. It was on her skin. Adam, Eve, and a snake. And she said, something happened there. I don't know what, but I think it's very important. These people are there. Around us. When we just scratch a little bit, dig a little bit, you see that there's looking, longing for something else. They're looking for answer. If we are motivated by the love of Christ, the same love that ourselves have experiences, and manifest that to others, we're going to see people who are searching, getting to know Jesus. The new generation in Quebec are questioning, who is that Jesus that your parents and grandparents have rejected? But when we talk about Jesus, they're getting nervous. It takes time. It takes a lot of time building trust, getting to know each other, and bring the gospel to them. Some put a seed. You know those people that I shared the two stories, and there's so many others. They didn't all decide to follow Jesus. But the seeds have been put. Somebody else will water it. And somebody else will see the fruit. Ecclesiastes says, he has done everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. God 
set eternity in human heart. He put a seed of eternity that pushed every human being to question, what's happened after? Is there something else that what I see every day? Is there a God out there? The seeds of eternity is the heart of every human being that pushed them to ask questions. And these people are around you. And it's the same thing for you. The seeds have been put there. And they're all around us. The sense of eternity. Luke, Luke, not Luke, Luke, Luke is in French. Luke, say Luke 11, Luke 11. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock at the door and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, asks receives the E, who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. So you understand what happened now? You say, I put a seed of fraternity that pushed people to question to themselves about existential question. Why am I unheard? What's happened after? There's, there's something else. And the one who search will find. That's a promise of God. Push people to search. Never stop searching until you find Jesus. God is at work. God is at work. In the heart of every person that will cross your path. It's exactly what happened to me. When I was young, around 16, I was with friends around the fire camp and we were talking about life after life and, and, and all those things and the power of subconscious. And, and we were looking for answers. The seeds of fraternity was, was there. And, and, and one day, a girl asked me, proposed me uh, to go in a place. But before that, some friends bring some drugs to us and we start to experience that. And these drugs give place to heavy stuff. And one day I was in this small room, hotel room with friends, and I was preparing the shots for them. And I did to each of them, and they all fall on the floor, on the bed. I left the room, came back a couple of hours after, and they were still there. And I, I remember I thought, no, this is not what I'm looking for. And this girl invited me again to go at this special event, special evening, where a man will be there, she said, and he will answer all your questions. So I went there. I wanted to know. I was, the seeds of fraternity were there, and I, I needed to know. So I went there, and there was a kind of guru there. Swami, we were calling him. And he, he led us through meditation and transcendental meditation, you know, going out of the body. And I spent a year there, going there. A week afterward, a week, I was bringing people there. And, but something was missing. And one day, I, was, I talked with him. I didn't know what. I, I talked with him. I said, Swami... Something is missing in what you're teaching. Who taught you all those things? He said, it's a master in India. So I said, I don't want any more intermediate. I want to see this master in India. So I prepared a trip to go in India. I really wanted to know what's happened about life. One week before my departure, I was ready to go with a girlfriend of me who wanted to come with me. And I was one week before leaving. I had many stuff to do to buy things, a shopping day, many stuff. I was waiting for the bus and the bus came. One on the bus, I was along with the bus driver, and I started to talk with him. He asked me what I was doing, and I was going on a trip in India with my girlfriend, her girlfriend, not my girlfriend, her girlfriend. And he said, you should go as a threesome. I said, why? Well, you want to come with us? He said, no, no, you should bring the Lord with you. I said, yeah, why not? No, it was not my option at all. It was for him. I went out of the bus about five minutes, ten minutes after. Did my thing, waiting for the next bus. The bus came, but the door opened, and the same bus driver was there. So... And he started to talk about Jesus to me. But the way he talked about Jesus, it's like if he knew him. That's very new for me. It was very strange. 
Like he knew Jesus? But never stayed too long in a bus in the city of Laval, north of Montreal. So I went out of the bus doing my thing, waiting for the next bus to go to the next stop. The bus came and the same bus driver was there. And he gave me his name. He said, I'm Maurice, I'm Patrice. And he started continuing to talk about Jesus. But in this city, we never stay long in a bus. <laughs> I asked him, are you the only bus driver of the city? City of 500,000 people. And probably not. But I went to my next stop, waiting for my passport for a couple of hours, and I was ready to go back home, the other side of the street, the other way. The bus came, door opened, Maurice, he said, Patrice. I said, again, four times. You know, the one who search will find. And he proposed me to drop a, a New Testament in my mailbox that night, and he did it. And I left a week after. $450 in my pocket with a flight ticket to Morocco. I was 17 years old. The girl with me was 18. And the goal was to walk through North Africa, Middle East, and, and in India. As we were crossing the mountains in Morocco, walking, we met another guy from Quebec, Francois. He was coming back for two years in India with the same question than me. He was coming back without any answers. So I started to think, am I going there for nothing? But we continued. We left Francois after a few hundred kilometers of mountains and went through Algeria, Tunisia, problem in Libya. So long story short, in seven months after, we had to come back in Quebec. And the girlfriend went on her side. But my quest was not done. I wanted the answer. And for me, it was sure I, I won't find answer in Quebec or in Canada. So I hitchhiked down south of the States. And when I arrived in Florida, you know who I met? Maurice! No, no, I'm killing. I'm, I'm killing, I'm killing. But I met Francois, the guy I met in the mountains in Morocco. Can you believe that? And Francois was reading the Bible. He didn't understand it. But he was reading the Bible. And we went together, hitchhiking through the Gulf of Mexico. And we ended up in a place called Tulum with another guy from Oregon. Tulum, at that time, there was no hotel at all. Hotel, I have to put an H, right? Hotel at all. And it was only Fisher Hut. And we rent a Fisher Hut. And every morning, Francois and the other guy was reading the Bible. We were reading the Bible. And I, put, I picked in my backpack. No backpack. I had only a small bag at that time. The New Testament that Maurice gave me. And I started to read it. The word of Jesus were going deeply in my heart. I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth. I am the door. I thought he is the guy I was looking for. I went in the mountains in Guatemala just to be alone and read and read and read and read the New Testament. On this trip, I spent all my money. I had $250 and after three months, I have spent, spent everything. So I came back in Canada, each I through Mexico, west coast of USA. I was experiencing that God exists. I didn't understand exactly Jesus, but the word of Jesus was deeply going in my heart. And I ended up in Vancouver. And I lost my bag with the blanket, and I lost everything, and my New Testament on it too. And I started to hang out with gangs around Hastings and Main Street. And in an accident, a knife went through my hand, and I started to be sick, and I'd been sent in Montreal Hospital. And while I was at the hospital, I started to reflect. I remember I said, in, not on these words, but something like, God, when I was reading that book, it's 
something was going on in my life, in my heart. I want that back. And while I was away, the girl who was with me in the first trip has given his life to Christ and came and visited me with a new testament. A week after, I went out of the hospital. I met, we met some Christian who explained me who was Jesus, what he had done for me. You know, at that point, I understood that I've been created to have this life. I've been created at the image of God, but this image has been dis- distortion. Don't you say that? Yeah, you understand it. Eh? I've been created for this relationship with God. I, I, this, way, this is where I'm supposed to belong. I cannot live without this relationship, like a fish cannot live without water. And I, maybe that may seem strange for you, but I understand no, that won't be strange. That I've been created with dependency. You and I have some dependency. We don't like to hear that. No, I'm, I'm independent. I'm a big boy. And no, we need air to live. We need food to live. We need water to live. But God revealed us that we need this relationship with God to live the real life that we are supposed to live, that we are being created to live, that we're longing for. If I say, no, I don't want those dependency. I don't want food. What will happen? I will shrink. I will get sick. And I will die. The result is death. And God is saying the same thing. Without me, you cannot survive. So when I say, no, no, I don't need that. I'm a big boy. I know what I want. I know my, my options are better. And then what's happened? I'm looking around for my security, for my peace and joy. And I grab something. I always need something more, something else. Because it's go through my hand. And I lose it. And I cannot get it. And I will never experience this life that my heart is longing to experience. All human beings have made a choice to reject the God, the only one who can really fill their life. I look around, and we're rejecting the only one who can really give us what we're looking for. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. This is why Jesus came on the on earth. This is this God came on earth in the person of Jesus to live the life that we cannot live and pay the price on the cross that we're supposed to pay. And he offered his life that I can myself now be have access to the presence of God and experience his presence and live the life that I'm being created for. Not because I'm a good person, because he loves me like he loves you. Knowing everything from my past, knowing everything my, my present and my future, he decided to love me and open his arm and say, Come, trust me. The price is paid. We now have access to the presence of God. When I was hearing those words, I was hearing Jesus say, Trust me. Don't fear. I will restore you. Restore the image of God in your life. Restore what needs to be restored. Bring freedom. Everything, everywhere in your life that you need to be freed. You know, when I say that to some people, they say, okay, if I understand, I have to make a choice between following God and being with Him for eternity or not following God and, and being by my home. I have those two choices. What I choose? I said, no, you don't have those two choices. You have one choice. You're already here. 
what God is telling you, say, hey, take my hand. I will get you out of there and bring the real life in you, the real joy in you, the real peace in you. Where are you? No place you're going to find that anywhere else. This is what I want to do with you. I say yes to God. I want you. I know now that you were there in every step that I did in North Africa, in South America, in Central America, everywhere. You were there tapping on my shoulder, saying, Patrice, I'm there. Now come in my life. I want to let go all my option and solution to trust in you now because your solution are way better than any of mine. I don't know who you are, where you are on your journey, but God is calling you. God is inviting you to come to him and trust him. Maybe you have said yes to follow Jesus many years ago, but there's some place in your life that it's difficult to trust Jesus. Maybe it's to forgive somebody. Maybe it's to insecurity or anxiety. God is saying, trust me. Trust me. I'm the one who will bring you peace. Maybe you never made a decision to follow Jesus, but you're here today. And he's tapping on your shoulder. I'm here. Would you follow me? Trust me. Don't fear. I'm going to be with you every day up to the end. Trust me. Come to me. I invite you to make this step today. If you feel that your spirit, the spirit of God, is talking to your heart, make this step and say, Lord, come in my life. Come in my life. I want to let go and trust you. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this time tonight. You know everyone in this room. You know what everyone is going through. And you care. You deeply care. You love. A love that go over everything we can imagine. Lord, we want to open our heart and let you come and take the place that only you can take. And do the work you want to do in our life. Rebuild what needs to be rebuilt. We want to follow you. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to say something before leaving. I want to talk about Maurice. You know, Maurice was more than a bus driver. Maurice now is a pastor north of Quebec. But he was more than a person who was moving a bus from point A to point B. Maurice knew that he was a children of God, partnering with God, bring hope with the people who was crossing their path. Maurice didn't spend more than 30 minutes with me. He didn't share the four spiritual law. He didn't explain the big theology things. He just shared his love for Jesus and what he was experiencing with Jesus and his love for me. You know, I was a hippie at that time. was incredible. Would you be the Maurice? Would you be a Maurice for somebody around you? Would you be a Maurice for somebody around you? Because there's many, many Patrice around you who are looking for answer. God has put the seeds of eternity in their life and their heart, and they're looking for answer. And you are the one who work with God, where God has put you, on your working place, on your school, in your neighborhood, in your family. Would you be a Maurice for somebody? Because there's a lot of Patrice around you. 
when you do those three prayers, God, give me opportunities to share my faith. Help me to see and recognize those opportunities. Help me to be bold enough to open my mouth and share the good news. I invite you to do that. May the Lord bless you. Oh, by the way, I married this girl who came to the hospital 45 years ago. She's my wife now, Cindy. <laughs> Thank you.